Alex Philadelphia. It takes a lot to make him happy, and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got a hit. Yes! Sally Stable, 132.67, has won at least the medal. She's 0.24 up. Beauty! On the ice for the Gimlet. The Gimlet Welcome back to Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast, as we bring you another athlete interview ahead of the Pyeongchang 2018 Winter Olympics. Today we are speaking to Australian figure skating champion Brendan Carey, 2014 Olympian, and is the first Australian, actually, to have already competed enough to get his name on the 2018 ticket to Pyeongchang. That's right, he's already qualified for the 2018 Winter Olympics. So in this uh, fun chat, we learn a little bit more about figure skating. We learn about its history here in Australia to the point of how uh, he got involved in the sport and sort of what it's like to, to be involved in a sport in Australia that obviously doesn't get as much attention as some other sports out there. And uh, even finding out uh, minor details such as uh, everything from the music choices right down to that awkward moment where they've got to sit in that chair, smile in the camera and pretend to be happy with the judges' scores. So uh, you're going to enjoy this interview. I enjoy doing it. And uh, here is my chat with uh, Olympian, now two-time Olympian, Brendan Carey. Continuing on with our series of athlete interviews in the lead-up to Pyeongchang 2018, we've looked at a variety of different sports with a variety of different athletes. I'm very excited to be able to introduce our next guest from the sport of figure skating. I, I can honestly say that I've never really spoken to many figure skaters before, so I'm very much intrigued to be able to have this conversation to learn a little bit more about the preparation for the Games next year from him, as well as a little bit about the sport in Australia. Australia in general as well. Please welcome to the show, Brendan Carey. Brendan, welcome to Off the Podium. Hey, thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure, mate. As I said, it's not exactly a sport where I bump into many athletes, particularly in Hobart, I have to say. I mean, our, our ice rink down here uh, pretty small, and it's not a common thing. I've, I've dealt with ice hockey players before, but not necessarily figure skaters. I mean, this is it's a great sport, figure skating, and I guess you you come from a very strong background in this sport. Your, your mother was an Olympian. Your sister's involved in the sport heavily as well. I mean, this is almost like the family business that you're you continued on with right uh yeah definitely i mean you know it's in the blood it's what we do yeah i and I, I love reading sort of a bit about your background when it comes to how you got involved with the sport where uh you apparently were nine years old you switched from hockey basically said to your mum figure skating's easy so you gave it a go and i believe moments later you then uh, landed flat in your face so that sounded like a fun way to uh, get involved in the sport yeah no i uh I had no desire to figure skate at all. Um, uh, I was definitely 
far more into just hooning around in my hockey skates all the time. You know, I lived at the rink because I'm on the coach. And then, yeah, one day decided to give it a go. was terrible at it and just kind of took off from there. Wow, wow. So, given I can imagine starting in a sport where you're not that good at, I mean, I, I don't know if you're anything like me, but generally when I was nine years old and I tried something, if I was terrible at it, I just gave up and went and played video games. But you, you sound like you're a little bit more driven to uh, give this a bit more of a crack. I mean, did you kind of, I guess eventually just kept trying your hand at it, you really enjoyed it, or was it a case of you'd watched Mum for so long that you thought, well, hey, I want to be good at this because I said it was easy five minutes ago and I don't want to give up showing that I think it's easy. Well, you know, that's actually interesting because I kind of feel the same way in that if I'm not good at something, I don't really enjoy it, but I don't feel the need to kind of go at it again and again and again. And skating has been uh, probably the one thing in my life where I really was very bad at it, but decided that I was going to change that. And it was also just a lot of fun for me because I enjoy um, learning. Like, I found that I was learning things very quickly. It's just I started off so poorly. And so when you're improving in something, you feel good about yourself and kind of kept that momentum up to where I am now. And it's it's such a, I guess, a graceful sport. I mean, it's such, you know, it's so... Um, fine in terms of the techniques and just the, the, the amazing tricks that you guys are doing. I mean, look, I can't even skate, so uh, don't even talk to me about being able to do the amazing things you do. It, it's kind of, as you are learning these new techniques, learning these new tricks, I mean, is it just a case of, I can imagine it's, if you're a perfectionist, it must be frustrating but rewarding at the same time, trying to really land a great trick. I mean, do you find yourself just going at it all the time, like, okay, no, I'm not giving up until I land on my face another hundred times because I'm going to land this trick today. I'm going to learn it because I just need to get this done today. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know, you cop some pretty hard falls and you feel a bit down about yourself. You get frustrated, you get off, but you're done with it. But, um, you know, I think, and that's the reason that I feel as though my past season or two have really improved is because I've kind of picked up that attitude of, whether I really want to do it or not at the time, I'm going to make myself do it because the overall result is more important than dealing with the frustration at the time. And what's it like, I guess, growing up in a in a house? I mean, as I mentioned, your mum competed in the Olympics back in 1988. And uh, I can imagine sort of having a mother who was an Olympian. You're going to hear stories. You're going to see the footage. You can, she's going to no doubt probably get out the old costumes and the skates and kind of show it off to you. Does that kind of really give you a desire to push towards being an Olympian in general, not necessarily in figure skating, but just, I guess, in, in the Olympics? And was that kind of where your, I guess, sporting desire did come from through your mum? That's, that's a tricky question. You know, I feel as though growing up in Australia, we're just a very sports-heavy country in general. You know, I mean, uh, even when you start off in primary school and you're like five, six, seven, like everyone's super active, um, always running around. So I felt like I always wanted to be moving, bouncing off the walls, doing something. And I didn't really have much of a desire to become an Olympian. It just wasn't in mind. It's just that I really loved skating, and it was a good way for me to not only kill time while mom was working, but it was just something I really enjoyed. Um, and that just kind of led to the last Olympics and qualifying Australia spot for 2018. Which is actually uh, incredible to think right now that we're now less than a year away, of course, from 2018. But uh, you're already qualified. We should have mentioned that. And I believe, are you, the, are you the first Australian to have actually now officially secured your spot for the Games next year? Um, I th- I'm not actually sure what the criteria is. There's no official announcement or anything. I mean, it's confirmed that I was the one to qualify the spot for Australia in the but I'd say... Yeah, like that's 
unfortunately, that's all I know as of right now. Right. Okay, then. It's. I mean, it's. It's kind of what I've found in speaking to a lot of the the winter athletes in the in the lead up to these games. Not only through myself, but Colin, sort of talking to a lot of the Canadian athletes, is that a lot of these sports generally cannot. You can't find out you've really qualified until a few weeks even before the games, which I guess is a, it's a unique way of doing it. I guess that's just working around sort of the seasons, but. I guess kind of at least thinking you're pretty much there next year. I mean, that kind of, you can really then switch focus to to really looking ahead to it because you don't have to have that in your back of your mind that, well, hey, I've got to qualify as well as really keeping up to my best performances. Yeah, I mean, um, last time around, the qualifying event I competed in was uh, in September or October, and the criteria stated that if you qualify a spot at that event, the spot is guaranteed to be yours. So right now the frame of mind, I mean, is just try and uh, train and plan as hard and efficiently as I can for the season with the idea of Olympics, you know, being put in that schedule and uh, trying to achieve the best result everywhere. You know, the Olympics is obviously the be-all and end-all of sport. It's, you know, the highest peak any athlete could uh, try and reach for. So to try and train and work out a seasonal plan where I can peak around that time of year is, kind of where we're at and the thought behind it all. And what's the, the figure skating circuit and the scene, I guess, like in Australia when it comes to sort of training and everything? Because, I mean, unlike most winter sports, obviously, for an Australian, you've got to kind of chase the, uh, the, the snow, as I like to say, the circuit. Obviously, it's a little bit different for you guys. You don't have to chase the snow because you're generally inside on, on a slab of ice. But is it does the Australian season kind of work around sort of, say, the European and the, and the rest of the world season to help you guys compete on that international level? Does it work a little bit differently? I mean, how does it work? Um, it's definitely changed. We used to have nationals in August, which was, uh, I wouldn't say it was ideal because championship events of skating aren't until January, February, March. Uh, but now we have nationals in December. So we'll have some smaller winter competitions around May, June, July, uh, all throughout Australia. Then we have some sort of like club level competition, interstate, state level, and then um, nationals is at the end of the year, which kind of suits the um, international schedule much better. And what's the depth of the, the talent like in this country? I mean, I, I remember growing up watching the the Winter Olympics and, you know, there was always a, a strong focus. We always would have an athlete or two within the variety of different programs throughout the Games. And, you know, it seems to, from this perspective, all other sports are improving. There's always Australian athletes competing in, in figure skating. But do we, do we have a real depth of talent there that is, I guess, punching above our weight when it comes to a sport which, you know, we're not necessarily known for? for for being too good at? Oh, yeah, no, 100%. I mean, uh, I feel like the the level of talent that Australia is fortunate to be producing and uh, bringing up right now in the sport of figure skating is nothing like we've ever seen before from Australia. We are winning a ton of international medals, results are consistently climbing in all disciplines of the sport. Um, I go on and on and on about that aspect but i'll just leave it with like it's definitely the highest uh it's been i would say ever and it looks like it's gonna continue to keep improving uh with the next few generations as well and that's what we like to hear i mean yourself you've won the last four national championships you know four of the, uh, five of the last six national championships i should mention there as well so definitely your uh, your medal cabinet is uh, getting quite full there brendan which is great to see but uh we obviously mentioned 2014 sochi uh, your your first olympics 19 years old going to an olympic games i mean 
this must have been a, a, an amazing experience uh, to, to go in there. I mean, not obviously talking about your result just yet, how you went there in Sochi, but I mean, when you when you got that nod and you, you're off to the games, uh, I mean, how was that feeling? And, and I could also imagine your mum must have been very proud to kind of, you know, go from herself being an Olympian to here we are passing the torch on and I, I've raised a son who's about to go to the Olympics as well. Yeah, no, I mean, my family was definitely ecstatic. Uh, I was actually 18 when I qualified, which I think made it uh, even more overwhelming. And it was my first time moving away from my family to live overseas for training and stuff. So that whole year in general and that experience of qualifying and attending the Games was... Uh, it's very hard to put into words. I, I feel as though it's something that you just have to experience to really understand. Yeah, for sure. You, you finished 29th uh, in, in the program. I mean, coming out of it, were you were you satisfied with that result? Did you think you could have done a, a little bit better overall? I mean, how, how did you leave Sochi sort of feeling? Uh, unfortunately, in Sochi, it was my worst skate, uh, I would say, not even of the season of my life. You know, people always ask, oh, were you nervous? I'm like, no. I mean, as nervous as one would be at, at that sort of event, but I was like, I just feel as though I wasn't uh, headed into the games in a good place. I feel as though that whole season, I had quite a lot of success in the run-up, and I almost felt like I didn't deserve to be at the games or have that success. So instead of focusing on, no, I'm a competitor, I'm here to do well, I was kind of like, oh, maybe I should like watch out for everyone else or give right away, or, you know, I just I felt very out of place, and it was kind of a head game that I played um, with myself, which was... Definitely, definitely uh, what led to me not performing as well as I would have liked to. Wow. And do you, do you put that down, I guess, to kind of just the experience of it, you know, being the age you were and, and heading into your first games? I mean, or was it just a case of, as you said, it sort of just got a bit overwhelming with sort of all the mind games that were going on with your head at that time? Yeah, no, like 100%. It was, uh, you know, it's an experience. It's, it's, it's amazing to think that sort of something like that can obviously... In, yeah, the worst time for that to happen too, and it's. it's I guess. Does do you do anything in between the last games and and looking forward now to next year to to try and combat that? Because I mean, that's obviously the case. You don't want that happening again in a sport which, as you know, graceful and amazing it is to watch. I'm sure that that mental stability really plays a, a key part in uh, all those amazing things that you guys are doing out there on the ice. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the first season following the Olympics, it started off. Uh, a little bit rough. I still wasn't even as good as I was in the build-up to the Olympics, but by the end of the season, I was achieving a personal best, and, you know, I've tried to put a real emphasis on my mental game uh, at every competition I've gone through, especially World Championships, because I knew that would be where I would try and qualify a spot for the game, which I did. Um, and so I feel as though come time for the Olympics compared to World Championships, it's going to be a very different uh, mindset. It's going to be, you know, you're here to compete really well, but it's also it's very special and it's something that you want to try and enjoy as much as you can on the side. I think since the last game leading into the next game, the biggest change in growth would be mental game. The most recent World Championships, you finished 15th in uh, Helsinki. Uh, how did you feel you went uh, in these uh, in the World Championships? And uh, I guess, I mean, this ultimately led you to uh, to this qualification for the Games next year. But uh, besides that little small factor there, Brendan, I'm sure uh, it was a satisfying result for you to finish in that place? Uh, yeah, it was. You know, I was a little bit higher in the short. I felt like I did a really good short program. We had two short and long. Uh, the long program, I did pretty well. I have like a few like so-so errors, but I kind of pulled back the technical difficulty on the day to try and solidify a spot at the game. So it was kind of bittersweet. It was, you know, awesome. Like, yeah, qualify a spot for the Olympics. This is amazing. This is what we've been working for. 
downside, I was like, I've been doing a little bit, well, actually I've been doing a substantial amount more in practice. It would have been really cool to show that off at World a year out from the games. But had a job to do, got it done. So no complaints really. And just looking here at the, uh, I love how I've got a list of the music choices because I'm always fascinated by uh, how you guys choose your your music for your routines. Is this in itself such a... Uh, are really you've got to really nail your choice because I can imagine when you're working on your routines with your coach there, it's it's got to really play in there. And I I think that would be kind of fun having to always come up with something different. Is that one of the more fun aspects of uh, of skating? Uh you know that's also a, a very common question I get asked. Um, so the music choice is usually split between my choreographer and I, and my coach is uh, okay or not. And uh, my, I love my choreographer. I think he's amazing. He's a great guy. You know, I love working with him, love hanging out with him. But when it comes time to pick music, we definitely butt heads more often than not. Because, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's like I view myself as a certain type of skater, and he views me as a, a different type of skater, and we want to play to my strengths, but we have to work on my weaknesses, which I don't really like to think or talk about. So he's like, oh, we got to do this to cover this or fix that. I'll be like, no, it's not a thing. Or you know, <laughs> a lot of frustration when you're trying to learn really difficult choreography to suit the pieces of music that you go with. So it's a exhausting uh, part of the season. And are there similar rules to gymnastics? Because I think in gymnastics, you're not allowed to have, like, words and lyrics, are you? Is, is that the same in, in figure skating? Uh, I don't know the rules on gymnastics. That used to be the case with skating. But to try and, uh, I would say, make the sport maybe more relatable or a lot more exciting for a lot of people. Because, you know, putting vocals in songs opens up just like a whole new world of what you're able to use in sport. And so uh, at the moment, we're all allowed to use lyrics and vocals, which I was a little bit unsure how that was going to go down in the sport, but people seem to respond to it really, really well. And it, you know, as I said, gives you a lot more choice. Well, just looking here from uh, your recent choices, you've got Singing in the Rain on there, parts of the Caribbean music kind of there. And I love going back here over some of your past ones here. You've got Metallica, Nothing Else Matters. Uh, if you are to say to people, hey, uh, Metallica used in uh, the short program in a, in a figure skating event, some people will be sort of, I guess, raising a few eyebrows. But uh, if you can make that work, all the power to you, Brendan. Yeah, no, um definitely a fair variety of choices there you know um those pieces were are the metallica pieces actually my choreographer um she did a really good job that program was uh very cool actually and then uh last year's singing the rain and pirates of the caribbean we just wanted to be kind of playful and cheeky to the judges in the crowd wow and actually just going back way back here here's one that i, I should have called out straight away michael jackson back in 2009 2010 you got a bit of smooth criminal dirty diana thriller beat it uh i mean does that come across with i mean the moonwalk's perfect in figure skating there you don't even need to really try with that but uh wow that that sounds like that would have been fun yeah that was <laughs> a crowd favorite at home for sure yeah, wow. Do, do you, are you thinking ahead already to, towards the Olympics, or is that kind of, as you were saying, it's, you've got to talk that over with the coach and the choreographer there to kind of really nail it, and, and it's kind of it's not in your mind just yet. You, you've got plenty of time to think about that. No, it's definitely been discussing and working on plans. Um, so we're going to do my short program first, uh, middle to end of May. I'm going to go to Canada for that. Um, we've narrowed down the choice to, I think, one of two or three pieces, and then that week... Uh, while working on the short, we'll probably have a few meetings and listen to some music to try and find what we're going to do for the long. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, I definitely look forward to, to seeing what that 
comes out with. I mean, I, I get, I guess, in terms of like training. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I can imagine a lot of skating, a lot of uh, as we were talking about before, working on those tricks and the landings and everything. But I mean, is there is there an element to it outside of the skating? Like, uh, is when it say comes to gym work, cardio work, things like that. Uh, I mean, is there anything in particular that you really need to work on? I mean, I, I'm I'm picturing there's got to be a bit of strength in the legs for the landing. But uh, I mean, is there is there much more uh, that you work on uh, overall when it comes to that training? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you have to do like a ton of core work because you're moving on, you know, on a very slippery surface with a lot of speed, um, jumps as well, spins. Uh, so we do a lot of like leg strength, core work. Uh, I don't really focus too much on upper body strength. I actually want to try and be as small as I possibly can so I can rotate faster to do more turns in the air. Um, and then a lot of cardio, actually. You know, I feel as though doing a program is a lot like interval training, kind of like sprint from one end to the other but it's kind of like you're doing it all on one leg and then you have to like hold tension for a spin uh or you got to like exert a lot of force for a jump and then catch it on the way down um flexibility is important for injury prevention stuff like that i didn't really know until i was older i was like oh, i'm not gonna stretch i'm not about that but uh definitely makes a big difference but yeah all around you gotta you gotta train on and off the ice pretty hard all the time because it does, I think, seem a lot more physical uh, that a lot of people maybe give it credit for. Because kind of as you were even saying there with like the cardio work and just the the amount of time that you guys are sort of out there on the ice and and even yeah the one the one legged skating and all that sort of stuff. I mean, when, when you're in a gym and you're kind of working out, do you sort of get talking to some of the other athletes and you know a mixture of all different sports? And you're there going on the treadmill, you know, really pumping it hard and going, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a figure skater, and they're probably going to like, oh, okay, I didn't realize you have to train so hard for that uh it's happened a few times yeah for a while i was actually spending a lot of time at uh mma ufc gym wow and we were doing a lot of uh backflips and stuff holding weights and a lot of the fighters and other athletes would go up to the trainer we were with at the time and be like oh like what do they do what do they do and the trainer was like you don't want to know like don't worry about that like, no 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 tell us I'm like all right fine they're all figure skaters <laughs> and everyone was like what <laughs> like really and we're like yeah Wow! Wow! That's crazy. Actually, that's that's a good <laughs> mixture. Yeah, that's when you start talking to those uh, the fighter guys and see if you can get some skates on them, and uh, you know, see if you can give them a routine out there. Just uh, you want to see how tough this is. Come on, put these skates on. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's great for if a fighter respects you, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What's um kind of a, a running obviously theme we have in a lot of talking to to all these Winter Olympians in the lead up to the games next year is obviously from an Australian perspective, uh, we all know that winter sports really don't get a lot of attention except maybe about a month out from the the games when you know it starts getting really pumped up the the attention of it like that. I mean, I can imagine that from from the perspective of an Australian competing in a sport like figure skating, I could looking at sort of all these main countries out there who are really pushing for the, the wins and the, and the podium spots, it must almost be a bit of an advantage for someone like yourself who I guess a lot of people maybe don't look at because they think, oh, Australia, there's no pedigree there in that sport. We don't really need to keep an eye out. But you can kind of sneak through, you know, can't you, in a way, sort of like, oh, no one's going to pay attention to me. I'm going to come through here and really put a, put a, my performance above the rest. Do you, do you find that is a sort of a psychological advantage that people aren't expecting plucky old Australia to, to do well in this sport? and you can use it to your advantage? Uh, yes and no. I mean, you know, the thing with skating is it's a judge sport, so people definitely have an idea of um, an expected outcome because it's not like, oh, he's going to run the fastest or jump the highest today, you know. It's all based on, uh, basically comes down to opinion because all the top-level athletes kind of do very similar things. Um, 
So when you don't really have much reputation or there's no expectation, it's kind of, it's great in the, the sense that the only pressure that is really there is the pressure you put on yourself. But at the same time, you know, the way skating works is it's such a performance-based sport. You really want to get as much attention and hype about you as you possibly can at every event. Mm. And I, it's kind of interesting sort of looking at with the the, yeah, the judging aspect because, I mean, that's that's a key thing about the Winter Olympics. Obviously, there's a lot more of these, I guess, judge-based sports than there are, uh, say, in the, in the summer games. And I, one of my favourite things, and I'm sure this might be one of the questions or comments you get a lot too in regards to... Uh, the music as well but I, I love the moment when you guys step off the ice and you, you sit down on that little chair with the coach and you get the flowers and you're waving in the camera and you're waiting you're sitting there you're waiting for the scores and you've always got that look on your face and I always think to myself is are you just burning inside sometimes thinking if you look at those scores and go oh man they are shit I am so angry but you've kind of got to be what like calm and relaxed at the same time because you realize you've got a camera right in your face how how awkward is that moment <laughs> Um, it, it can definitely be <laughs> pretty uncomfortable, you know, you throw down a really good skate and you're like, oh, I'm going to get a mad score and it's like, okay, and you're like, oh, <laughs> that. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. I, I, I kind of liken it to like if you're at an award show and you're nominated and you don't win, how you've got to give that sort of subtle little accepting clap that you're kind of like, oh, they won and you kind of deep down like, what the hell, they shouldn't have won. But I just, I, I think you should next year at the games there, Brendan, if you if you think you have nailed it, if you're like, yes, there we go, that's it, that's beautiful, fantastic, you get terrible scores. I kind of want to see you get the mascot. I want to see you throw it down. I want to see you just get so mad and angry. I mean, that would go viral online. I think you know that. <laughs> yeah, just like chuck a skate on the, on the ice while the next person's warming up. Be like, I'm, I'm done with this. I mean... You know, minus the fine that you would probably receive for doing that, totally worth it. Yeah, yeah. I really think that would just in this day and age go really go really wild. I mean, what's the um the the gymnast was it Michaeli Maroney the when she had that unimpressed look on her face that was a viral meme for a while there in gymnastics. So I couldn't imagine that uh, that wouldn't. And I guess just don't accidentally throw a skate while um you know someone's performing and hit them. I mean, I I think that might go down not too good. <laughs> Yeah, probably probably not in anyone's best interest to go mm. and do that. But um, no, I'm I'm definitely surprised that we haven't seen a lot more negative outbursts or reactions. But I have no doubt it's it's going to happen soon one day. Yeah, it's gonna be bad. yeah. It's going to be great, but it's going to be bad. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Is there much? Um, I guess. Uh, trash talking and kind of sledging involved in the world of figure skating? Do you guys sort of pass each other on the way to the, the ring go, oh, that was a nice landing, not, or, you know, obviously a lot better of a sledge than that. That was really childish, Ben. But uh, is there a lot of that kind of psych-out ability between you guys? Um, You know, again, that's also a very common question. No, I feel as though, you know, there's always going to be, like, a couple guys here or there that don't really like each other, whether it's because of competition or, like, getting in the way in practice. But overall, it's like, you know, at Worlds this year, I think there was like 30-something, maybe even 40 guys. And like, you know, when you see all of them, you go up and shake their hand, say hi, how's it going? Like everyone, will you like give them a nod or like chat and hang out? I don't feel as though uh, anyone is really um, out to get anyone else, which is a really, really cool thing about the sport. Mm, well, we, you know, we can sort of, um, we can start a psych out thing in a way that's, it's, it's friendly though. I mean, we obviously want to keep it on a level where you guys all remain friends. Um, but it's, I'm, I'm sort of thinking back to the, the little box there where you're waiting and for the score and, uh, you can always just like hang around there while you, the next competitor comes off the ice and just kind of stick your head in there and just be the pest that's just like, hi, hi, Ron, hi. <laughs> just like psych him out that way. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you're not, 
you're actually not allowed to step on the ice until the person before you has finished taking a bow to the audience ah, and the judges. Okay, okay. So uh, I feel as though if you really wanted to mess with someone, you kind of take your sweet time doing a bow because it's time that they don't have to warm up before the event. But I feel as though everyone tries to be very respectful of one another. But if you wanted to do something kind of uh, to psych someone out, you'd probably mess around with them definitely before, I, I think before I've... stepping out. I think I've seen uh, Blades of Glory too many times, Brendan. I think I need to uh, get my mind out of that and realise this is a serious sport and Will Ferrell is not involved, so um, it's... <laughs> not yet, but I mean, maybe he should. That'll probably bring more publicity as well. You're very right there. Maybe he's just uh, one step away from doing it. He could actually be very naturally gifted at it and maybe all that was his work in that movie. So, hey, you never know. Was it Chad Michael Murray's or something like that was his character's name, exactly. I think, from memory? So. Uh, <laughs> we'll Something just, like that. We'll, uh, we'll keep an eye out for that. Now, what we're doing, Brendan, with all our guests on the show, uh, we are asking them a bunch of questions at the end. Now, these are based on a series of questions that the Canadian Olympic website asked their athletes in the lead-up to Rio last year in a series that was called I Am Canadian. So we're changing this around, obviously, to make this I Am Australian right now and uh, relate to some of these questions. So I'm going to start off straight away by asking you, who do you think the greatest Olympian of all time is? Wow, uh, Aussie Olympian. It can be anyone. Let's let's. I mean, actually, no. Let's just stay with Australian this time around. Let's 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 keep this patriotic. I mean, oh, that's tough. You know, I I remember uh, Sydney Olympics. Um, so I'd have to go with uh, Ian Thorpe or Kathy Freeman. Definitely, pretty amazing. Absolutely agree with you there. This might just, you might have just answered this next question I'm going to ask you here. The first Olympics that you remember watching were? Sydney Olympics, definitely. Mm -hmm. Very uh, much in the heart of many Australians still after all these years. Now, I can't exactly ask you this next question because it's asked to draw draw a picture of yourself. So, uh, have you you ever drawn a self-portrait or anything of yourself there, Brendan? I mean, how would you draw a picture of yourself? Lots of stick figures. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Quick, easy. (laughs) Can't go wrong. Exactly. What is your favourite flavour of ice cream? Ah, uh, that's a tricky one. Depends. Uh, definitely depends on the mood. You know, I would say probably safe vanilla because you can chuck a bunch of toppings and syrup and stuff on it, mix it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good answer. Good answer. I like. I do like a bit of vanilla ice cream. This this question's kind of almost obsolete when it comes to you in terms of your sport because you do have music involved anyway. This question is, if you're a baseball player, what would your walk-up music be? But I guess kind of we could turn that around in that, do you you sort of, if you had a song in the lead-up to you going out there on the ice, you know, you're walking out there with the headphones on, I mean, do you have a a song, I guess, that can get you in that zone before you do hit out the ice? Yes, actually. I have, it's an hour-long mix by a DJ and there's like, uh, a collaboration and a little bit of a remix of one part of it, which is at the 11 minutes and 50 second mark, plays for about 40 seconds. Um, it's got a killer beat, but it's got like fun lyrics, so I feel like I'm kind of relaxed but super focused. My go-to every time. Fantastic. There you go. I like hearing that. There we go. Uh, if you, were, if there was to be a movie about your life, who do you think would play you? Oh, I mean, I can't be the star of my own movie. Um, well, sure you can. Why not? That's a hidden that's hidden skill there, Brendan. You're an actor. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wish. Um, no. Uh, you know, actually, I saw the movie Kingsman. I liked it a lot. And I have a lot of uh, girlfriends. And all of them are in love with the actor, Karen Egerton. So I feel like if I could have someone like him who women just love uh, <laughs> play me, then, you know, me in real life could uh, hopefully 
reap the, uh, the rewards of that. So, that, yeah. is a, that is a good answer. That is the best way to look at it. I like that. That is, um, that's why I always say Channing, Channing Tatum and I are very similar, uh, Brendan. Uh, but then I wake up and clearly that's not true. So <laughs> your answer, I think, was a little bit better than I that. mean, <laughs> you got to tell yourself what you got to tell yourself. Exactly. Right? You know, you've got to, got to be confident every now and then. Uh, what is your guilty pleasure snack? Chocolate. One hundred percent, without a doubt, it's chocolate. Do you have a particular type? Like, are you a are you a dark chocolate man, a white chocolate man, a milk chocolate man? Honestly, like <laughs> all sorts of chocolate: <laughs> chocolate fudge, uh, um, blueberries covered in dark chocolate, milk chocolate. Um, and just yeah, chocolate. Chocolate's good. I'm actually sitting in front of a Max Brenner chocolate bar right now. Not there eating though, just on my phone. Here. But um, <laughs> yeah. If it's got the word chocolate in it, you're touching it. It's all good. Um, what is your? Do you have a favourite song lyric? Here's an interesting question. Ah, uh, no, I like a lot of music, so I can't. Yeah, can't narrow it down. It's one of those ones that you kind of can't really answer on the spot. You've got to kind of think about that one, sort of, you know, before you you go into it. Uh, what is the most recent TV show that you binge watched? Um. Ah, okay. Okay, it's one I haven't quite got to yet, but I've heard it's good. So. Uh, Good old. I can imagine that that comes in handy with with the travelling, obviously, you know, between Australia and uh, Europe and North America and just everywhere you're going. I mean, those plane trips and the, the hotel rooms and just the travelling. I mean, that, that's kind of where Netflix and all these shows become your best friend, I can imagine. Yeah, 100%. Mm. What is your biggest fear in life? Um, being stuck in a small space is probably what we're going with. Right. Okay. It's just... I don't know, like feeling feeling very stuck, you know. I don't, I really don't like that. That's why it's good that the, the rinks are so nice and big and spread out, so you you're able there to kind of really spread your wings when it comes to skating. So um, the opposite of that, I can see it. Uh, and the last one I've got here: what is one thing that you can't live without? Uh, music. 100%. Always got my earphones in, always playing music. Perfect. Good answer. I, uh, they're always different, these My Name is Canadian questions. It seems every single athlete got a different set of them. So uh, that was a, a bunch of uh, interesting ones there. But, uh, Brendan, look, it was a pleasure chatting with you today, mate. We're going to keep an eye on, of course, everything that happens between now and Pyeongchang next year. And come the games, we're going to be definitely uh, rooting for you here in Australia, cheering for you, and uh, really hoping that you can pull it through and uh, go very, very strong. So fingers and toes crossed, mate. Appreciate your time off the podium. And for sure, we'll catch up post-2020. 2018 next year and we'll chat to you about your second olympics yeah sounds great thank you very much Fun chat, and once again, thanks to Brendan for giving us his time, and also a special shout-out to, to the Australian Winter Institute there with Belinda Noonan, who has organised a bunch of these chats for us in the last week or so, and uh, has been a fantastic help. So uh, once again, appreciate her assistance in hooking these up, and we're going to continue to hook you up with some great chats, some great episodes. Best way to get these, of course, to your device is to subscribe to us via iTunes, via Stitcher, or whichever podcast provider you do prefer. And while you're there, please click on the ratings, give us some Give us some feedback. Let us know what you're thinking of the show. You love it. You hate it. Really don't give two shits about it. Either way, we'd love to hear from you. And you can also do that on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. And if you are listening to one of these episodes, use the hashtag off the podium and uh, tweet along. Perhaps you've uh, got some insights and thoughts or anything along those lines. And uh, we definitely will uh, check that out and love to hear from you. In the meantime, thank you for your company on this episode. We'll be back very, very shortly here on Off the Podium. And we'll speak to you then, wherever you can hear my voice. Hey!